Hey there, welcome back to episode number five. Today's episode is actually about a very brave and strategic woman who took the lead in the time of the Spanish conquest. Her name was Ana Caona, and she was born in 1474 into the family of the Jaragua tribe in Hispaniola, which now would be modern day Haiti. Her brother was actually the chief of the Jaragua people. And later on, she actually married the chief of the Maguana people. His name was Kaonabo. They actually had a daughter together and everything, and her name is Igemoda. Ana Kauna was one of the strongest Taino caciques, mainly because she was the glue or the, or the bridge between both tribes. So yeah, she had power from both sides. She's very well known, mainly because of the tale I'm going to tell you now, but also because she was a great influence in many types of art, poetry, and music. Or, or she was until Columbus arrived, you know? So yeah. Let's get into it. It is said that around 1496, Columbus had made it to Hispaniola and was welcomed by Ana Caona and her brother in person. They welcomed their troops and made a celebration of their arrival. You could call it a peace offering mainly uh, or a communion to kind of avoid conflict low key. However, as hard as they tried, it didn't really pan out that way. Of course, as track record shows, the Spaniards didn't care for any type of peace treaty and began causing massacres and implementing slavery almost instantly, which sadly, it isn't anything new, you know, it's been happening for a long time. Uh, yeah, it's still happening. So with that, I can say everything. Of course, the people of Hispaniola weren't just going to kind of give up their land and their lives. And so they fought back with all they had. Sadly, because of this, Anacauna's brother was caught and arrested by the Spaniards and they actually killed him later on. Um, so obviously the people of the Jaraguas were left without a chief in command. So obviously Ana Kaona took her brother's place initially. Later on, Kaonabo, her husband, was also arrested, but this time he was arrested along with other kind of noblemen or men of status in the island. And they were all put into a ship and sent aboard towards Spain with the intention of enslaving them or selling them, you know, you know, slavery. However, that didn't really get to happen, mainly because the the ship kind of just went left. And so they all died in a shipwreck. Now, Ana Kauna was left with the power, but also the extremely huge responsibility of the people of the two tribes, or the people that were left because of this massacre. Now, she took it fully, she took complete responsibility, and she decided to do what was best for her people. She actually believed that attempting to fight the Spaniards like head on in very small rebellious groups wasn't really working out. It, it wasn't a very good strategy as the odds were pretty much in the Spaniards' favor, mainly for the simple reason that people of Hispaniola, even though they were larger in numbers, they didn't really have the weapons that the Spaniards had. And so they couldn't really compete against that. Because of this, she actually decided to implement another type of tactic, which if you look closely has been used very frequently throughout time where there is a colonization happening. This strategy consisted of trying to be more diplomatic with the colonizers by offering them, you know, intermarriages amongst other types of treaties in order to kind of mellow the stakes of violence. However, most of these tactics, if you actually read a lot of these, I guess you could say historical events, they're just merely a distraction uh, as when colonizers get the most comfortable is when victims normally would strike. Everything had been working out fairly well, actually. Her, her strategy was actually, well, you know, panning out 
quite smoothly regarding the circumstances, of course, since Anacaon and the rest of the chiefs of the island had been able to deal with the Spaniards without really becoming submissive to completely, you know, which in their own right was actually a very good option in case for, you know, future rebellion. However, when 1502 came, things changed rapidly. One of the now chosen governors of Hispaniola was Nicolás de Obando. He saw things way, way more differently than the other Spaniards previous to him. He actually mainly had an issue with none other than Anacaona herself. He had kind of deduced that she had been seducing and convincing the, the previous Spaniards into peace and pretty much no conflict in order to buy time to save her people. Which, I have to say, very smart observation because this is exactly what she was doing. Because of this, he actually decided that in order to be able to conquer and completely gain all power, he actually would have to eliminate Anagauna regardless. We could call her the key of this whole thing. So he actually came up with a plan. He asked Anagaona and 80 of the most influential Thanos people to join him for a peace treaty. Sadly to say, tragically, Anagaona and her people actually fell for that setup and they didn't really see it coming apparently. They gathered at a nearby spot and as they waited for the arrival of the Spaniards, they had actually begun discussing other types of strategies to keep the Spaniards at bay. Just when they were doing this, those when the Spaniards actually striked, um, they captured everyone inside the building, took outside the most prominent figures and left the rest inside to burn to ashes. Now, those that had been separated were tortured in all kinds of ways, which I'm not going to get into because they're very graphic. So, And they were manipulated. They were told that ultimately they would die if they didn't testify against Anagaona herself. Of course, under these circumstances, most of these people did exactly that. So they left her for execution, basically. She was put in a public trial and she was actually sentenced to hanging for treason. Just before she was hanged, she was given one last opportunity to remain alive under one condition. If she became a concubine or of one of the high ranking officials to which she completely refused and obviously she was then hanged. She died at the young age of 29. Now, obviously, what happened to Nicholas, right? Because this is this is the dude that began this whole thing. Like, yeah, there was massacre before, but this this man right here, oh my days. As for Nicholas, uh, who had begun this entire massacre, things didn't really go the way he thought they would. I guess you really can't sacrifice people and get on with your life, can you? Yeah, you think it's common sense, but because of his cruel, bloodthirsty, and just downright psychotic ways of being, the news of the death of Anagaona, her people, had actually reached Queen Isabella of Castile, who really wasn't too much of a peaceful person herself. I mean, look at her track record. However, she was unusually emotional about Anagaona and her people's death. And so she took Nicholas off of his position at the time. She completely dismissed him. She kicked his ass. Ow! <laughs> I think that the dismissal of his role in conquering was also due to the simple fact that when he had arrived at the island, Hispaniola had a population close to half a million people, which is, a, which is a decent number, you know. However, by the time he left, the island population bruh, had decreased to only 60,000. Yeah, we're talking about 500,000 people and now only 60,000. This fool had completely, like completely annihilated almost the entire population of the island under his hand. Come on. Anyways, in conclusion, Anagona was and still is one of the most prominent figures of Haiti because of her rebellion, her pride, and how absolutely essential she was in saving Haiti's people, you know? Even though 
they didn't really work out in the ways they hoped they would. She did become a symbol of the founders of Haiti because she was a committed leader, to say the least. And before I leave, I'm going to tell you a fun little fact. Anaconda literally translates to golden flower, which is very cute and obviously completely appropriate for such a historical figure. A wonderful woman of her time, really. She has now been commemorized all over the Caribbean and there is now a tower named after her and everything. If you want to search it up, it's Torre Anacaona 27. There goes another wonderful tale of an important woman in history. I had actually never really heard about Anacaona until I came across one of my favorite YouTubers, which her name is um, Professional High Priestess. So if you're spiritual or you're into the whole spiritual stuff, I would definitely check her out, you know. Um, she actually goes more into depth uh, about Anacaona. I couldn't really... I couldn't really search much about her, at least on the internet, and I don't have any books about her. So sadly to say, this is the most I got. But if you really want to know more about her, I would definitely check uh, Professional High Priestess's take on this tale. She explained it amazingly. So yeah, I would definitely check her out. Um, and yeah, that's the ending. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you tune into the next one. The next one is going to be very interesting. I also wanted to say thank you for the support. I didn't know actually pe people would actually listen. So yeah, I've, I've been getting quite a few listens on this app. So thank you. I'm truly grateful. Please leave any type of feedback in the comments or a voice note below if you're using Anchor. Good luck and goodbye.